Hi, everyone. I'm Renee Brown, and this is Dare to Lead. In this episode, Barrett and I share our experiences of what it was like together in person for the first time since March 2020. We had an all-hands meeting a couple of weeks ago, I guess three weeks ago now. Everyone came in to the Houston office. We got to meet new people. We got to introduce our new selves to people. You know, we're all new in some weird way. And this is a very honest conversation about how it felt to be back how we underestimated the anxiety, why we are calling our two days a week hybrid a absolute pilot program so we can serve our team in maybe a couple months and then again after six months to see what's working, what's not working. It's a real conversation about what it was like. It was wonderful and amazing and connecting and scary and hard. And shit went wrong and stuff went unbelievably right. And just as a conversation, I'm glad you're here. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. So before we launch into this conversation, I want to share some news with you. I am, for the first time in my, I guess, life career, I am going on a very serious sabbatical this summer. I am leaving work for 14 weeks. Um, I have one event that we've had scheduled for over a year. So I'm doing one event in the summer that, again, has been on the calendar for a long time. But I am, I wouldn't say I'm shutting down. I'm opening up. And I am also asking everyone here at our organization to do the same. So we are closing the office for a couple of weeks, just paid time off. We're closing the office every Friday, paid off Fridays. And we're asking everyone, in addition to the two weeks the office is closed, to take two more weeks off, uh, paid, obviously, maybe not obviously, we need to create here in our organization and possibly the world a critical mass of restoration. It's not enough for me to go off. Everyone needs to take some time. And so we're going away for a few months and we have decided to pause the podcast, a hiatus for the podcast over the summer. And we are also going dark on social media for those four months. And it feels scary and weird. I mean, the first response from a friend of mine was, 
you have like 12 million followers across social media, you can't leave for four months. And my immediate response to that was, oh shit, you're right. But that's exactly why I am going off because it's okay to rest. It's okay to create space. It's okay not to be in the public all the time, every day. I don't think we're neurobiologically hardwired for that. I think it's living outside of human scale. And so that's what we're doing. I wanted to let you know. We have decided to pause the podcast over the summer, and then we'll be back in September. I think for leaders out there, if you acknowledge that you're not okay, and we acknowledge no one's really okay right now, everyone's been affected by what's happening in the world from the pandemic to racial reckonings to war and violence to what seems like a creeping authoritarian rule across the globe. If everyone is saying that we're not okay and then doing nothing different to make sure we're okay, that seems problematic. So this is our attempt to do that. If you listen to the podcast between me and Karen Walrand on Unlocking Us, she talked about that there are seasons, the seasons for renewal and restorations. You know, there was real anxiety with my team when we announced this, kind of like, well, what are we going to do this summer? And we have big projects to work on while you're gone. And the answer is no. I thought I could maybe come up with some big projects, but then I thought when you're going out because of exhaustion and a deep physical need for rest, not a good time to come up with strategic ideas and make decisions. That feels like busy work. And it's okay for there to be a lighter load and it's okay for people to take four or five weeks off. We got you. And yeah, hard and weird, but here's what we're doing. Let's jump into the conversation with me and Barrett. And just holding in mind that, you know, I think here in our organization, we have accomplished some audacious goals over these past two years, in addition to going through a lot personally. And I think resting is probably the boldest thing we'll do yet. We'll miss you, but we'll be back in September. And it'll be really awkward and really brave and really kind when we're back. Let's jump into the conversation. All right, coming to you live from the great awkward. We came back. When did we come back, Barrett? Two weeks ago? Yeah, we came back on April 11th. Yeah, and we thought we would just report in and let you know how it's going. And I think what we got right. (laughs) (laughs) What we didn't know. (laughs) What we didn't know, where we've stumbled and kind of what we're learning about gathering again. So the setup was that we have probably 30 people, maybe 18 that are Houston-based, 12 dispersed across the country, and we all came back. And we... I just want to pause right here because it was really interesting. We were very careful about not saying coming back. Oh, yeah, we did. We were. We're gathering. We're gathering. And it was really great, too, because I think when we sent out our final kind of reminder to prepare for our week together, we said, even those who have been here before aren't the same as when they left two years ago. Yeah, that's true. It was in all hands for three days in the office. Three days, yep. And it was overwhelming in many ways. Would you agree? Yeah, I think there was so much excitement about it, but I don't think we realized 
the amount of different energy that we were going to have to be using just physically being with a bunch of people. Yeah, I mean, and I have to tell you for the setup, I mean, it was a long, it was a hard setup where everyone's going to test, where are they going to test, what are we going to do if someone tests positive, what's the protocol, you know, is there an area where we test and then people, you know, go upstairs. I mean, it was complicated. It was complicated and I'm... And complex. And I'm proud that not only with this, but we're always so thoughtful about those things. And so I think just by the number of people we have from a percentage perspective, yeah, you know, we're bound to have people test positive here yeah. and there. And I think it was just... We had someone test positive. We had someone that wasn't able to make it to the all hands for outside reasons, life happening. Mm-hmm. And so it was imperfect to start with. We got upstairs and the first thing we did was a big kind of all hands meeting. Oh, we, you know, one thing we did was we incorporated a lot of white space into day one. You know, we had an open breakfast and got individually wrapped food. And <laughs> Even to the individually wrapped food, because it's not how we've ever done it before. It was, it was really interesting. We're a big family style, kind of. We put big dishes of things up on the bar in our kitchen, but this was individually wrapped and we were thoughtful. We had masks available. Some people did choose to mask the whole mm-hmm. time they, and yep. they still mask now. Yep. I would say the majority don't. Yep. It was hard when someone tested positive, that person had to go home for the day and go take care of themselves. And then we just started with a welcome and a two-word check-in because, you know, that's on brand for us. <laughs> yes. And it was a lot of scared anxious, Mm -hmm. confused, unclear. Yep. And I'm so glad because, you know, we had an hour when we were eating breakfast where we had no agenda. Mm -hmm. And it was just people coming in and seeing each other and the awkward fist bump hug. What do you do? But it was really great, I think, because we talked about it for like three weeks leading up to us being back in person we talked about how awkward it was going to be. And, and we, we talked, normalized it. Yeah, we yeah. normalized it. And, you know, FFT, who's written a COVID protocol for their company before? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it was like the third time we were going to try to be in person again. And so I think we did a great job setting expectations about how weird it was going to be and not knowing what it was going to be like. And it was going to be exhausting just putting out that much energy to be in front of people. And what we haven't told anybody is what we were going to do for two of those three days. Oh, yeah. We jumped right into very serious Dare to Lead facilitation and training. Yes. And so part of this was, you know, intense work. We're coming back and we're reconnecting and connecting for the first time. I underestimated for sure the level of anxiety. I think I did too. The anxiety was really high. Some people were even shaky. You know, I've worked remotely. There's somebody that like, it doesn't matter what I'm posting on on Instagram. This woman really cracks me up. Every time she leaves a comment, it's, Brene doesn't like remote work. But it, it's like, you know, here I am with <laughs> Richard Rohr talking about, you know, the infinite God. Brene doesn't like remote work. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know who she is or where she gets her data, but I've worked remotely for how many years? 20 I mean, since I've worked with you. Yeah, I've worked remotely my entire life, never even having an office outside of my home for most of my career. 
the university would always try to give me one. I'm like, it's a really terrible use of space. Like if you're calculating <laughs> some kind of usage per square foot, I'm not ever going in there. I, you know, I come to teach class, but I work from home. So even for me, I was more anxious than I thought. Excited to see people, but anxious. Yeah, me too. I think I was excited to see people and I think I was anxious and a lot had happened to a lot of us yeah. over the last two years. Hard stuff. Mm-hmm. A ton of grief in the room. Yeah. I mean, a ton of grief in the room. Yeah. And new babies. Yes. And a ton of joy. I will tell you the check-ins were anxious and scared, curious and nervous and then the checkouts were almost 50% of them were weepy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Connected and joyful. Everyone said grateful. I think at the end of day one, so it's a three-day all hands and like half of day one and all of day two, we did Dare to Lead. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're doing Dare to Lead right now. Like, how are we going to take this on? And then by the end of the second day, I was like, this was the absolute best thing we could have done. You know, for those of you, Dare to Lead is the courage building program that we do. And we do it in organizations, but we had two outside, kind of inside outside facilitators. So Susan Mann and Ico Bathia facilitate it. I guess I can talk about my role. Like I did not facilitate it and I did not participate in it because I've stepped out of my role. Have we talked about this before? We have not. Yeah, I've stepped out of my role as CEO, which is kind of big news. And congratulations to you, Barrett, and to Murdoch, (laughs) who have stepped up as co-CEOs of Brene Brown Education and Research Group. And I'm stepping into somewhat like, we haven't exactly decided yet, like a chief purpose officer, chief vision officer. I'm stepping out of the daily running of the business, which is weird. Yeah, and so amazing and as, you know, right now, the sole creator of content for Beberg, what we have to do. So yeah. you don't have three full-time jobs. Yeah. And it's big shift. And so part of this all hands gathering was a, I guess, a formalizing the end of a chapter and the beginning of a, the beginning of something that we don't know what it is yet. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, we'll just delete this if we can't say it on the air, but your honesty in kicking off our meeting and just saying like how hard things have been and that we usually bring everyone together and do all hands when we really dig into strategy and what we're looking at for the upcoming year. And this time you said, it's important for you guys to know that we don't have a lot of answers about what's next, but we have a lot of big questions and you need to understand what those questions are. And I think- For the first time, I think since we have been apart, there was a level of connection and understanding that you couldn't get remote. No, I think that's true. And it's not because I'm not a fan of remote work. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, the bullshit Oh, yeah, because we should say we're totally testing out a hybrid model where we're only in the office two days a week. And we're working remotely three days a week. And within those two days, you have flexibility with your direct team leader about what hours those days yeah. so that people can make it work. And we're trying to see, like, we don't even know if that's going to work. We're really testing because one of the things that we've been paying a lot of attention to is the difference between hybrid and flexibility. And what people really need is flexibility around hours. Yeah. 
Do you want to share with people the quote that you use to kick off our all hands? Oh, yeah. So this is a quote that's really important to me. It's a quote, the attribution of the quote is really unknown. A lot of people attribute it to Stephen Covey and some to Viktor Frankl. Stephen Covey reportedly said he read it in a book while on vacation in Hawaii, some B.F. Skinner, but you'll probably know the quote. It's, I would venture to say the most important quote in my life. (laughs) Um, And I think the source code for all important things, including my work, Dare to Lead, Atlas of the Heart. I mean, everything I've ever done kind of comes down to this idea that between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is choice. And with that choice comes freedom and growth. And so I think, you know, the way we start our all hands really was, I'm not okay. I'm going to assume that you're not okay. I'm going to assume that we as a collective are not okay. And that we need some space. And this summer is going to be partly that space. I mean, we were able to give people, you know, paid Fridays off through the summer, able to give them a two-week block of time over the summer paid and off. That our whole company's closing. Our whole company's closing for a couple weeks during the summer. And, you know, not everyone can do that. I mean, we, during COVID, launched two podcasts launched two books, You Are Your Best Thing, the anthology that I did with Toronto Burke and the incredible contributors to that, and then Atlas of the Heart. And we moved an events-based business from in-person to virtual, which was no small task. Oh, God, no. You should see the setup we have for virtual events. It's like really complex. And a couple of pretty significant dust-ups, you uh-huh. know, yeah. like real big fights that both took me off guard and took me down, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. So I think if there's a space between stimulus and response, we're going to lean into that space this summer. I was going to say, if there's a space, it's June, July, and August. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for us. Yeah, we're going to take some space. And I think Linda Hill, Mm -hmm. the podcast, ooh, that really jacked me up a little bit. Um, (laughs) The whole idea between the difference between vision and purpose and I wish I would have had that language and that understanding when we had the all hands because I would have said, um, like, I wish I would have helped them understand. Maybe it would make people feel less tethered. Do you think people feel untethered right now a little bit? I do, but I think coming out of the Dare to Lead work, there was this feeling of connection. You know, I don't think we were connected to like a bigger vision or purpose of where we're going next as an organization, but just to each other. Yeah, and I think purpose-wise, I, th- I do think, th- I would say there is a connection to purpose. I think everyone's here for a singular reason, which is to make the world a braver place. Yeah, yes. I think that That's we, true. I think the purpose doesn't, but we've never been working against no vision. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? For what's next. Yeah. Like, we don't know what's next. I, I can't make any decisions right now, which this is the first time in my life where I've literally had to say to people, I understand that I'm getting ready to go off the grid for a little bit that you want a lot of answers for me. But when I am desperately getting off the grid because I'm exhausted is not the time for me to be answering questions and making decisions. And so I think it's not the first time where I shouldn't be making decisions. It's the first time I stop myself from making them and say, this is not the right time for me to be making any kind of decisions because I would vacillate from let's, let's, let's go, let's do this and this to let's shut this shit down. Yeah. I got to take a nap. Mm-hmm. You know, every time yeah. I see those little nappy things on TikTok, I'm like, 
I think I'm going to take a nappy right here. <laughs> I'm always like, me too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I think it was an interesting, it was an interesting exercise in offering people grounding. And I love the way you said that, Barrett, grounding in connection with each other, connecting with the purpose connecting with their skills, which is the dare to lead courage building skills, you know, four skill sets, observable, teachable, measurable, me not being the center of it. Mm -hmm. The constant loving reminder from our facilitators that we should not be taking notes on how we could change the curriculum or what we could do different as we are going through the dare to lead, but actually being participants. And it's hard being on that side of things. Oh, it's so hard. I, I got all these texts from Barrett. They'd be like, it's really hard being on this side of Dare to Lead. Because, you know, we when I go into an organization to facilitate Dare to Lead, Barrett's always with me. And so, you know, and then on the flight home, we're always debriefing and we should change this. And what about this? And breakout times need to be longer here. And I need new scenarios for this. And what do you think about this? And she's like, oh, I don't like being on this side of it. I mean, it was even from like picking the groups. Do we stay in intact teams or do we not? I mean, I was like, this side sucks. (laughs) (laughs) It actually, it didn't. But it was, it was anxiety producing. It was anxiety producing. And, you know, the great thing about working with Susan and Iko is that so many of us work with them independently that they know us. And so it was like, I think I said to them when we were closing, like, thank you so much for creating such a safe space for us to do Dare to Lead at the home of Dare to Lead. Because mm-hmm. it's like, the, it is. Yeah, no, it is. And, you know, it's interesting too, because when we did an assessment, before we go into organization, we always do an assessment and collect data around, you know, what are your opportunities for growth? You know, if you look at these four skill sets, rumbling with vulnerability, living into our values, braving trust and getting back up again, rising after a fall, after setbacks, disappointments and failures. We didn't score 100%. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. First of all, I was like, we better have 100% participation in this assessment. Oh yeah, because we get, we get people so much shit in organizations when their participation is low. And, like, and you don't know who who's done it and who hasn't because we don't have anything to identify. So yeah. I was like, 100%. We did, then, have, a, yeah, we did, we did have, have 100%. have 100%, but then I was like, when, you know, a lot of times in organizations, you're like, yeah, this is what I see across different organizations. And when I saw us, like, with the same numbers, I was like, what's wrong here? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're just the same. We're just a company, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, our hardest part was vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So I think it was an interesting way to come back. Small group work. <laughs> Why are you laughing? No, I just... There's a lot of things surprising when you're on the other side. It's like the dark side. <laughs> it is not. It's I'm like just kidding. It is, it is the vulnerable side. Oh, that's why. That way. <laughs> <laughs> it's the vulnerable side. It's that you're in transition. You're in transformation. You're in change. Yeah. You know, you're in assessment. You know, it's it was such a good reminder for us. That it was. And man, you know, Dare to Lead, everyone has to read Dare to Lead when they're onboarding with us. Because we don't just teach this, we live it. And we usually, yeah. we use these words and, you know, people laugh all the time. Like, oh my God, y'all really say rumble. Yes. But it was a really great reminder. And we've had so many people start over the pandemic who we've not met in person. Right. But it was such a, a great reminder of how we are all connected and how we can work with each other across teams and that when we're having hard conversations, it's okay to show up and be a little shaky. 
you just have to have it. And I think feeling in it with everybody was such a real gift to do that as our first few days back. Yeah. And I think it's been, we're now on the hybrid schedule. We've had to navigate positive COVID mm-hmm. test. I lost my ever loving mind. Me too. You and I kind of went at each other a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause I was like, well, is that our policy? Well, who made up that policy? I was and, like, who makes the policies? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, who are you looking at? Don't stare at me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was really stressful. It was anxiety producing. We were getting ready to get on a big podcast. And then I don't know, all the freaking questions about, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. When I came, I forgot my neurobiology degree. I don't oh know how this gosh. shit works. And like, I think I was just like kept leaning into that we're kind and considerate and caring and treat people with such respect that I'm just grateful that before and it was an emergency, we'd already built so much trust. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I want to have to circle back with the whole Beberg team. <laughs> I mean, I had to apologize to you. Yeah. I mean, true. Today. And I apologize too. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's the first time. And I think we're just trying to do right by people. And I think the great thing is I think people believe that that's true. Yeah. This is my Enneagram number one, you know, like be a good person, do everything right. And this is my Enneagram number six. Oh my gosh, I'm ah, so nervous about all of it. I know it is. (laughs) It it is. It's like that, like, I don't want to make a mistake. You know, what are we supposed to do? You know, who do we let know? Ooga, ooga. <laughs> I know, and it's like, where where are the people that are going to make these decisions? And then we're just like, oh, fuck, that's us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... I forgot my HR training and my neurobiological yeah, me whatever. Too. And my legal training and my HIPAA clause. And, and I just want to give you a hug and be like, I'm so sorry you don't feel well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm the same. It, it's been... But you know what? Hmm. It's because we see their humanity. Yeah, it is. You know, this is the whole thing. What is the biggest barrier, even when I try to teach people the two-word check-in, mm-hmm. what is the biggest barrier that people say, like, I'm not going to check in. I'm not going to ask people how they're doing. I think because they get scared, they're not going to know how to answer if someone says something hard. Yeah, dude, you're not going to know how to answer. Mm-mm. All you can say is, God, that's hard. I'm sorry. And then when you're not in a group setting, circle back and say, I really appreciate your brave and difficult check-in today. What does support for me look like? Yeah. Like, it's not like, it's not like anyone, like, just, just be like, I'm saying something hard right now. You say that to me. I'm saying something hard right now. Oh, Barrett. Na, 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 na. Ah. <laughs> like, oh, you know. I've I just a- want to, side note, that shit doesn't even happen in therapy. No, There's it doesn't. No. Even, No, No. it does not happen in therapy. It's like, all you can do is hold the space for someone to be in something hard and ask them what support looks like. And so they have the time and space to think about what they need and then to ask for it. And sometimes people ask me for what they need when I say that. And I say, I can't do that. Yeah. You know Mm -hmm. what? I can't do that. But it sounds like underneath that ask is some flexibility and time. 
I think we can create flexibility in time. That specific thing I can't do. Can we sit down and work on how we can get you some more flexibility in time? Yeah. And sometimes they don't need anything. Sometimes they're just like grateful that you circle back to say, hey, I know you're anxious in your check-in today. Everything okay? Yeah. I mean, for me, oftentimes it's people just want to be seen. And I think it's a great way to do that. I love the two-word check-in. Oh, God, me too. Can you want to share with everybody what we're doing now at Beeberg at the Bar? Okay, so we call it Beeberg at the Bar because we have a big bar in our kitchen in the office and we used to stand around it and we've just kept the name even when we're remote. Yeah, so we are, it's a weekly mm-hmm. check-in, right? Mm-hmm. And it's your success for the week and your key learning for the week. Yes, And it's so fun because people's successes are micro like, oh, wow, I figured out this glitch on WordPress to... I've completed the strategy for the launch of (laughs) XYZ. It gets all over the place. What did you think about the first experience of doing that? I thought it was really great. I mean, we've only done it twice. I think it's been really great because I think it's helpful for everyone to see that a success can be something really small or something. Yeah. Or something that impacts the whole company. And I love that some people are like, well, this week it's personal, (laughs) you know? And so it's like, I think it's great. And this week, I can't remember what was said, but I stopped and I just asked everybody, just raise your hand if anybody in here struggles with competing priorities and how to manage those some days. Everybody's hand went up. So it's kind of like, you're not alone. Normalizing, normalizing, normalizing. Normalizing, normalizing. People are people. People are people are people. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., Okay, so we're three weeks out from our all hands, first time in the office in Mm -hmm. a couple years. If you look back, one success, one key learning. Oh, man. Well, I mean, just that we successfully were able to gather in person, that's my success. And we made it through Dare to Lead without any notes on any of the videos or the curriculum or how we'd want to change things. At least I did. But it also was my permission slip every day. I'm a participant. I give myself permission to be a participant and not a Beeberg employee. Key learning? I think I would have given us some more unstructured time. Mm. I think that's really the only thing I can think about because I think one thing that happened when we were remote is you really kind of just worked with your own teams. Mm -hmm. And so 
it was really fun to see people and to meet people for the first time. Yeah. Not on a screen. So maybe some more unstructured time, but I wouldn't change Dare to Lead. As much as that first day, I was like sweating. And I was like, damn, what were we thinking? But now I look back and I think it was, it was a really beautiful way for us to do it. Both you and Murdoch were a little nervous about it, I think. <laughs> yeah. I was sure, I, I have to say, I was, I was confident. I thought, well, yeah. I thought it would be good. Because you know why I thought it would be good? I thought it would be good because of change theory. That, that is not what I thought you were going to say. What did you think I was going to say? I thought that you were going to say that it gave us some guardrails to come back that, to. That's change theory. So, okay. so like in change theory, sometimes task-specific group work mm. is helpful. It's the organizational equivalent of swaddling. Do you know what I mean? Instead yeah. of like flailing all around yeah. and we're back and we don't know what we're doing and it's awkward, we're working on something together as a small group. And so it does put up guardrails and it Got puts it. up some structure that people can lean into because I think too much free time, I will say for my key learning, I think we were prepared intellectually and strategically. I was emotionally not prepared for the level of anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yep. I knew to start with, like, I know we're not okay and it's okay not to be okay and we'll be not okay together. I knew to start with that intellectually, but the amount of anxiety in the room. Yeah. Mine included. Mm-hmm. Was off the charts. Yeah. And people were in tears. Yes. About being back. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just a weird, a weird thing. Success? I think trusting, trusting you and Murdoch, trusting Susan and Ico, trusting every member of the team mm-hmm. and trusting the process. I think just trusting. I love it. That if you center people and you center connection, it's going to be okay. Maybe you won't get done what you need to get done in the time frame that you want to get it done in. Oh, gosh. Do you remember our, the my first draft agenda for that week? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. We were busy every minute. That was like from swaddle to stranglehold. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just say it's helpful to have a place to start. <laughs> no, I mean, I wouldn't even write down the agenda. Right? My, mine was like, are you, yeah, I was in total magical thinking. We'll play it by ear. Yeah. We'll play it by ear. No, I loved it. And it's so fun to walk into someone's office or to go upstairs and see people. You know, our podcast studio is downstairs. And so we keep saying upstairs, our offices are upstairs. And we surprise them. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I don't know if you've heard my interview with the designer, Justina Blakeney, on Unlocking Us. She has the design firm and aesthetic called Jungalo. And so with the help of a couple of just ferocious employees of ours who get shit done in incredible timelines, we redid the entire office. And so it's gorgeous. It's alive. I think there's like 130 plants. There are plant walls. Oh my God. Just to tell you that it was so funny because the last couple of weeks, right before we came back, before we were in the office, I would be like slacking those employees and I'd be like, oh shit, the wall behind you is green. <laughs> Move. People are going to oh, ask why surprise. you're green. Yeah. 
because we were having to hide all the decorations behind on the Zoom screen. I think people really loved it. Oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah, people just kept taking pictures and they were like, this is so fun. And I think we did it for them, not for us, which makes a difference. Like we wanted it to look like alive. Uh, And I'll tell you one really amazing thing that you did for everybody is you bought everybody bracelets that said A-B-K, Awkward, Brave, and Kind. And I can't tell you through the Dare to Lead training how people were playing with it, <laughs> looking at it. So it was like really neat to have that too. It was it was neat. It was very thoughtful. Well, we have an amazing team. We're back. It's messy. Mm-hmm. It's messy. And I think we should really be proud of ourselves for not just pretending like we are going to come back and pick up right where we left off. Yeah. I mean, I think Scott Sunshine, if you haven't listened to that oh, yet, wow. like he's, he just laid that shit right on the line. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> he mean, did. And I knew that just because I've been in enough organizations over the last couple of months where people have been like, all right, and we're back. Let's go. Yeah. And, and you know, and the grief is, the grief is, for everything we've lost in the last two years, the grief is for the reckoning that continues and the changes seem small, even when they're significant. It just doesn't seem like enough because people are being hurt and people are in grief because it's not back to normal. Mm-hmm. For so many people, work is the touchstone, like, oh, when we go back to the office, you know, when we gather again. And so I think as long as you make space for people to be people, and have all the big feels. Yeah. We can do it. And just PSA, traffic is definitely showing that people are going back to the office. Oh, is it different? Oh, yeah. Barrett commutes in. Yeah, but I agree. Seeing people acknowledging that we're all in struggle, we're not who we were when we left. We're Mm -hmm. all different and changed in some way, in many ways. Yeah, and I think we've been really clear with folks too that we're collecting data. We're trying to see if this works. I mean, we we also leaned into kind of the Linda Hill podcast, the Scott Sunshine podcast. We got really clear about what meetings need to be in person and what meetings can happen mm-hmm. um, remotely. And we should not be bringing people in if all we're going to do is information drops on them. We should not be doing important company-wide meetings when 18 people are here and 12 are, you know, Dispersed, we should be doing those when everyone's dispersed so it feels like equal footing for everyone. I mean, it just comes back to belonging too, right? Belonging, connection, respect. Yeah, and I mean, talk about past guests. I mean, I thought about Priya so much, Priya Parker so much. And just, we were so intentional and thoughtful in how we chose to gather. It was was really important. And I think it's, there's an amount of energy to being back together too. Ooh, I think that's uh, what is happening. What yeah. is that? Yeah, it's yeah. really fun. All right. Well, this was our reporting live. Yeah, regathering in person. Not Renee the same, ha- but different. Renee hates remote work. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Renee has worked remotely for twenty five years. <laughs> she loves it, but. When meetings require productive task conflict, when we got to rumble over something creative, when we need yep. to have hard conversations, and we have the luxury of being together, we need to be together. Yep. It's not one or the other. Nope. You've done an incredible job leading this. Thanks. Yeah. It's been fun. It's been impressive. Has it been fun? 
No. <laughs> what is what has it been? I you think can, it's you can been, say honest. Yeah, yeah, I know. There's so much uncertainty in it and it's very vulnerable. Those are two words that I struggle a lot with. So I think it's um there's so many FFTs that come mm, with it God. that it's like. FFT for new listeners, fucking first times. That was our first yeah. podcast ever on Unlocking Ness. You should listen to it. It's really good. But I think I, I would go back to the culture and relationships that we built before we were in crisis or before we were in a pandemic and the way we show up with each other. I knew... I knew that we would all settle in and settle the ball, but I think it was trying to make it certain was not the right approach. Does that make sense? Oh, God, yes. Sucks. Because, you know, I, I like my word tables to be followed. Sometimes you have to throw this shit away. I think we had to throw it away. Yeah, and that's daring leadership. That's daring leadership. Embrace the uncertainty, embrace the paradox, embrace the unknown, embrace the messy humanity. That's daring leadership. Yeah. And we had a really good flight where we got to dig into a lot of it. And so I think it was just helpful. I think it's helpful to have a good starting point and then helpful to really be able to rumble through and put our people first. We'll leave right there. All right. Thank you all for joining us. This is the Dare to Lead podcast. I'm Brene Brown. I'm Barrett Guillen. Just thought we'd give y'all an update. We should do more reporting lives. Yeah, more reporting lives. Y'all stay awkward, brave, and kind. Take care. So how is that for truth telling? Yeah, just where are the grownups? I don't know. My mom used to tell me that the jolt of adulthood would always hit her when she opened her refrigerator door and she had all these condiments in the refrigerator door. And she's like, shit, it's like a grown-up refrigerator. To me, it's always when, you know, we have to make big decisions and I'm like, I don't know, let's ask somebody. I'm like, who, who should we ask? Uh, who's in charge? Oh, shit, it's me. That's hard. Again, we'll be back early September. We'll miss you while we're on hiatus. We'll be reading and resting and getting ready for what's next. Y'all stay awkward, brave, and kind, and take really good care of yourselves and each other. Dare to Lead is produced by Brene Brown Education and Research Group. Music is by The Sufferers. Get new episodes as soon as they're published by following Dare to Lead on your favorite podcast app. We are part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Discover more award-winning shows at podcast.voxmedia.com. I just gotta get out most days, you see. I like walking around, it's good for me. Could you tell me where we could go eat? Take me to the good times. I just gotta get out most days, you see. I like walking around, it's good for me. Could you tell me where we could go eat? Take me to the more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. 
Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.